Please, please, please don't fast forward. This will take exactly 12 seconds. I, Kevin Pang, host of Proof, have a brand new book out called A Very Chinese Cookbook. If you want to learn proper Chinese cooking, this is the book to get. Again, it's called A Very Chinese Cookbook, and it's out in stores now. Okay, thanks. Bye. Italians take their coffee seriously. Visit Rome, Florence, Milan, anywhere in Italy, really. And you can't walk half a block without running headfirst into a coffee shop. And to prove that this isn't an exaggeration, our reporter for today's story, John Last, set out to do a little experiment. John's Canadian, but for the last two years, he's lived in the northern Italian city of Padua. I'm going to walk in every direction from my front door and see how long it takes me to run into a coffee shop. All right, let's go. Most of the time, John writes about politics, religion, and history for magazines around the world. But today, John's tackling a different kind of topic. Okay, I see one. It's about three minutes. One that's vexed him since he moved to Italy. Just what is the deal with Italian coffee? We're on our way in direction number two. There's actually two right next to each other right here. Oh, I misspoke. There's actually three cafes right next to each other. I think this may be the winner. It's been maybe just under a minute, and uh, I'm walking up on a new cafe here. I didn't even really know this place was here. Buongiorno. Coffee is everywhere in Italy. It's cheap, reliable, and quick. It's also an inescapable part of everyday life in Italy. And most Italians drink it two, three, four, even five times a day. And you would think that in a place like Italy, the quality of that coffee would be just as central to the quantity. Ciao, cos'è la marca del vostro espresso? Prego. Non sai la marca? Io no. Turns out, despite loving coffee, living coffee, drinking it five, six times a day, most coffee you drink in Italy, even at the best cafes, comes from a few massive industrial brands. Cos'è la marca del tuo Hausbrand. Hausbrand? Hausbrand, Lavazza, Ely, their coffee beans aren't even grown in Italy. And for a country that loves coffee so much, this struck John as well, interesting. This idea we become used to in America, of obsessing over the origins of your coffee, is still more or less a foreign one in the country that practically invented coffee culture. Today on Proof from America's Test Kitchen, we're telling the story of one man who hopes to change all that. Who imagines a future where homegrown coffee in Italy is as much of a possibility as homegrown wine or olive oil. He's trying to accomplish that by doing something that's never been done before, producing the world's first 100% Italian coffee bean. I'm Kevin Pang. Thanks for listening. Stick around. Hey, everyone. It's Kevin here. If you're listening to Proof, you probably love food. Maybe you're even a great cook already, or maybe you aspire to be one. And if that's the case, then Sur La Table is for you. Good cooking comes down to two things, skills and tools. Sur La Table has you covered on both. They have the largest recreational cooking class in the country, with over 40,000 classes for folks of any skill level, even the kids. 
And they stock high-quality tools and equipment from the best kitchen brands, many of which have come out on top in our product reviews at ATK, Allclad, Le Creuset, Breville, and more. So do yourself a favor and go wander the aisles of one of their retail stores. There are over 50 locations across the country. You can ogle beautiful pans, take that new kitchen gadget you've been eyeballing for a test drive, and just get inspired to cook something amazing. Visit surlatabd.com to start cooking. That's S-U-R-L-A-T-A-B-L-E dot com. Reporter John Lass brings us today's story, and it begins in a garden plot outside Palermo, Sicily. Sarà un giardino tropicale, non soltanto caffè. This is the garden of Andrea Moratino. He's the heir to a 100-year-old family coffee roastery in Palermo. Today, he's taken me to a place few of his employees will ever see, a shaded plot on the grounds of a former nunnery. Mentre questa sta alla grande. In front of me are rows and rows of leafy bushes. Some are just a few inches high, others as tall as a man. As we step carefully between their roots, we come upon some plants heavy with clumps of little red berries. I see, tante. These plants, the ones that stand nearly seven feet tall, are almost as old as I am. Quanti anni? Queste hanno sono piante di 30 anni. 30 anni, sì. ok. Poi hanno qua di, ne hai diverse. Queste sono sette anni. Sette anni, wow. È così lento. Three decades ago, they were just tiny seedlings, nurtured to life by Andrea's father, Arturo, when he was still just a kid playing hide-and-seek among sacks of roasted coffee beans. Back when the idea of a coffee grown in Italy was just a crazy fantasy. He had this kind of vision, he had this hope, and uh, now we can say um, he had a wonderful result. To the naked eye, these few bushes may not seem like much for three decades' work. But for Andrea, it represents the fulfillment of his family's impossible dream. The first commercial coffee harvest on Italian soil. Andrea may have grown up alongside these plants, but realizing his father's grand ambitions was nonetheless not his first choice of occupation. Like so many other young Italians, his dream was to be the next Maradona. I left Palermo, I left Sicily to continue uh, this dream, uh, to become a soccer player. Andrea moved north to Milan, where his soccer career faltered, and he gave up the dream to work in a multinational firm. But it turned out Andrea couldn't deny his birthright forever. The coffee plants were calling. I felt like the, the, the voice of the land to come back. Andrea, it must be said, is not like other businessmen I've met. For one, he doesn't seem to care very much about how much money this project of his makes. When he talks about his coffee, it's like he's relating the story of some historic quest, rallying troops of coffee drinkers and farmers to fight against the forces of nature itself. It's appropriate he's waging war here, where nuns once walked the fields, because he speaks about Italian coffee with an almost religious reverence. 
And for him and his family, this small harvest, just over 200 pounds of coffee beans in total last year, is like a gift from God, proof that it's possible to produce what they call the Sicilian Cup, an Italian-born coffee that tastes of their homeland. A coffee which can not only grow in a climate that has never supported coffee plants before, but that could, they hope, even revolutionize Italy's coffee culture. But in the quest to change coffee culture, Andrea has a lot of history to contend with. Italy is very much the, um, if you like, the entry point for coffee into Europe. If you want to know about the history of coffee, you call Jonathan Morris. He's the author of a book, Coffee, A Global History, and he got his start documenting the story of how Italy became the coffee-obsessed country it is today. The first coffee that we know about arriving in Italy comes in through Venice. It's very much uh, an elite drink. When we think about um, the sort of the coffee places that you get in Venice, uh, you think about Florian's on St. Mark's Square. These are very ornate Baroque coffee houses in which are serving coffee as very much a kind of exotic good. These kinds of cafes are still around, of course. In my town, Padua, the grand and Baroque Café Pedrochi is known as one of the birthplaces of the Risorgimento, when intellectuals and revolutionaries hatched a plan over coffee to build a unified Italy. But the coffee experience in these places, Jonathan says, was very different from today's espressos. 300 years ago, when Venice's Café Florian was founded, Italians were drinking mostly delicate Arabicas, steeped in linen bags like tea to bring out their delicate floral flavors. Or the grounds could be boiled right in the water, producing something more like the thick Turkish cup. Either way, there was no doubt that these coffees were a luxury for the upper classes, something to be savored and enjoyed as a rare treat. Even by the 19th century, the experience of drinking coffee in Italy had very little in common with the kind of coffee I can find today on every corner of my neighborhood. For that, we have to look to the relatively recent past, when coffee became just another product for your average consumer. It's not really until the late 19th century that that moves. And even then, the social dynamic of this is quite strange because it's really about the sort of the growth of a new style of coffee coming together with the growth of a new style of drinking. Around the turn of the 20th century, Jonathan says, a lot was changing in Italy. Italians, especially those from poorer southern regions, were going in record numbers to the New World, where many worked on a growing number of coffee plantations in Brazil. There, they developed a taste for strong Robusta varieties and sent beans back by the sackload to family in Italy. Even though many coffee snobs saw Robusta beans as inferior to the delicate Arabicas of old, its abundant availability gave Italian coffee its characteristic punch-you-in-the-guts acidity, today an irreplaceable part of the classic espresso flavor. And at the same time as the New World gave Italian coffee its flavor, it was giving the Italian cafe its characteristic culture, too you get the rise of the what are called in, in Italy American bars, which are essentially cocktail bars. But the thing about these and the great characteristic of the American bar is that the American bar is not a sit-down cafe. As Italians fell in love with the cocktail, bars that served both liquor and coffee popped up on every corner. 
Here, speed and simplicity became a virtue of service. Powered by the new technology of the steam-powered espresso machine, which made the most of those strong Robusta flavors, cafes became places for after-work drinks and smoke-break speed deals, churning out cup after tiny cup of quick, hot coffee that could be sipped and forgotten in a minute or less. Still, coffee, especially at cafes, was largely an urban and cosmopolitan enjoyment. Enough so that under fascism, Italy in the 1920s to 1940s actually banned the import and sale of some coffee as a symbol of foreign dependence and decadency. After World War II, as Italy rebuilt, coffee took on a new meaning again. The real Italian coffee. Lavazza. Why didn't she just say so? Exactly. During Italy's miraculous economic recovery, major brands like Lavazza and Italy sponsored the startup of dozens of small neighborhood cafes, and in the process redefined Italian coffee as a cheap, plentiful energy boost for the urban working class. Though some local brands survived, these big national companies could import and process coffee at a fraction of the cost of a small family roastery like the Moratinos. And they benefited from laws in place since the First World War that allowed municipalities to set maximum prices for certain essential goods. That made cheaper coffees a more attractive proposition to most cafe operators. So it is that you get this sort of the growth of the neighborhood coffee bar as a place that serves coffee as a cheap drink, relatively cheap drink, for working people. Even today, municipal authorities set the maximum amount a cafe can charge for a cup, serve standing at the bar. And despite years of high inflation, it's still more or less the same as it was a decade ago, about one euro per cup. So it's not really quality. Essentially, it's about price. Back at the Moratino Roastery, I'm beginning to feel a little guilty for having paid so little for all those coffees. Without really thinking about it, I had adopted the modern Italian attitude to coffee, that all cups are equal, and that coffee should be cheap. But the big brands that have historically made that equation possible also make it harder for small roasteries like Moratino's to survive. And when they die out, a lot is lost with them. Up a flight of stairs behind the roasting equipment, wafting delicious coffee smells in our direction, Andrea shows me his grandfather's pride and joy, the Moratino Coffee Museum. Lining the wood-paneled walls and glass cases before me are hundreds of years of coffee history. A traditional stone grinder brought from Brazil, steam-powered espresso machines from the turn of the last century, mocha pots MacGyvered from artillery shells during the Second World War. There's even a coffee pot shaped like the Holy Grail, another built into an alarm clock that'll make you an espresso before you even roll out of bed. This is the legacy of the Moratino family's other obsession, history. Throughout my time with Andrea, he mentions again and again the ancient Sicilian tradition of which he is the heir. The process of selecting and roasting the perfect beans that has rightfully made the Moratino brand famous here in Sicily. In a way, Andrea's project to grow Italian coffee plants is a continuation of that quest for the perfect cup, 
and a defiant stand against the hundred-year history of cheap and plentiful coffee that surrounds us both in this wood-paneled room. But Andrea isn't afraid to break with tradition, if it means a better cup. After a minute to take in my surroundings, he leads me to a small bowl of green coffee beans on a counter nearby. Here you have Howard cherries. Oh, really? Huh? From our plant. Last year, harvest. Oh, wow. Like, it's uh, so some, fruity. It's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some, like, uh, red cherry. Each cherry has two little beans mm-hmm. that was processed just with the, the sun. Okay. Outside. After sun-drying, Andrea says, most beans go into a big tumble dryer to roast, where they brown and their flavor develops. For centuries, this is how coffee was made. But tumbling the beans in this way, he tells me, leads to hot spots and uneven flavors. So recently, the roastery switched to a more modern and sustainable method. Now, each bean is placed on a flat tray and completely enveloped in hot air. It's a method that ensures every individual bean is evenly roasted bringing out the unique flavors possible in every bean variety. We respect totally the beans and his evolution. Uh, This is our heritage. It's kind of amazing to see just how dedicated Andrea can be to getting the most out of every coffee bean. But when he says this is his heritage, it's no exaggeration. This is how the family business survives against the might of bigger brands, They've built a reputation in crafting these coffee beans that sets their product apart. Even still, these little green beans deserve some special attention. After all, these are no ordinary beans. They're the first to be grown here in Sicily. That means just to make it to selection, they have to overcome an enormous challenge. Sicily's ever-changing climate. After the break, will Andrea Moratino's homegrown coffee beans survive the extremes of climate change? Hey, Proof listeners. Plugra's premium European-style butter is a favorite of bakers. Why? Cook's Illustrated Recipe developer Erica Turner sums it up. Hey, Kevin, did you know that the kind of butter you use when you're baking can actually make a difference in how your dish turns out? I did not. Butters that are slow-churned, like Plugra, are easier to work with because they make doughs more pliable. The amount of fat in the butter also makes a difference. Tell me more. Okay, so most American butters contain around 80% butter fat, but European-style butters, like Plugra, have a higher fat content. In fact, Pluger Premium European-style butter always contains 82% butterfat. And you're saying 2% is enough to make a noticeable difference? Oh, yeah, definitely. With Pluger Slow-Turn Butter and its 82% butterfat content, you'll notice richer, flakier pastries, cakes that rise higher, and cookies that crisp more easily. Embrace your inner butter lover. From professional kitchens to your home. Visit Plugra.com for more information. And now, back to our story. Producer John Last picks it up. 
The coffee plant first originated, it's believed, in the highlands of Ethiopia. Today, it thrives in a narrow band of equatorial countries known as the Coffee Belt. In these places, the weather is humid, but never too hot. An Arabica coffee plant, the type that produces 80% of today's coffee, thrives in temperatures between just 64 and 70 degrees Fahrenheit. Below those temperatures, the plant will produce. And above, the flavor of the coffee beans starts to degrade. Rain is another factor. These tropical regions get a lot of water. Ideally, a coffee plant receives as much as 80 inches of rain per year, double the annual rainfall in New York, and nearly four times the average year in Sicily. But these conditions that make the coffee belt what it is won't be around forever. Rising temperatures and drought are endangering many of today's coffee-producing regions. And as weather patterns shift due to climate change, the coffee belt is moving with it. Vedi, questa boscato bianco già più To see how this is all playing out in Italy, I met up with Rosario Schicchi. He's the director of Palermo's Botanical Gardens in Sicily, an urban oasis of tropical plants that has been here since the late 1700s. In front of us is a small experimental vineyard with 95 different varieties of grape. Today, some are thriving, some not so much. Yeah, the, the leaves are all starting to turn red and brown from the heat. This botanical garden, Rosario says, has long been a tool for Sicily's farmers. A thermometer that shows the effects of Sicily's rapidly changing climate. In recent years, he tells me, Sicily has been undergoing a radical and unpredictable change. In decades past, it was normal to have some anomalous years here and there, a dry year perhaps, or a rainy summer. But now, it seems like every season is its own outlier. After an unprecedented drought in the summer of 2022, 2023 has seen rain all year long. Even still, when I visited him, Palermo had just been encircled by a ring of massive forest fires that melted tarmac, choked the air, and trapped people in the city, the result of temperatures climbing above 120 degrees. Quindi questa è un'annata che io non ricordo in 60 anni di averla mai vissuta, un'annata così these changes have had a profound impact on what kind of plants are even possible to grow in Sicily. Extreme heat burns the leaves and boils the fruit in vineyards and orchards. Wet springs and summers leave wheat and citrus, historic mainstays for farmers on the island, vulnerable to rot and damage. And without the shock of a dry summer, other plants, like olive trees, simply won't produce their fruit. Quindi il clima è completamente cambiato. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. E questo si riflette sul, sull'agricoltura. But just as with his 95 varieties of grape, Rosario knows that whenever one plant struggles, another might succeed. Allora, questa è, una, questa è la Serra Carolina mm -hmm. e questa è una pianta di caffè. Oh, cosa grande. It's, it's maybe 10 feet, 12 feet tall. Ma produrre uh, fruit? Sì, sì. Uh, sì. 
Inside a glass greenhouse around the corner from the vineyard, Rosario shows me two enormous coffee plants. He tells me each one of them is more than 80 years old. These plants furnish the seeds that Andrea's father used to grow Moratino's coffee seedlings 30 years ago. Unlike Andrea's plants, these have been raised in a temperature-controlled greenhouse, one that mimics the conditions of a place like the Ethiopian highlands, where coffee thrives. But after seeing Andrea's success, Rosario has a new experiment underway. We're now going outside of the greenhouse to look at some plants that are grown out in the weather. Rosario takes me across a small piazza in the garden to another greenhouse that has seen better days. Its roof is broken open, exposing the inside to the elements. In another garden, this might be seen as a loss. But Rosario is not one to miss an opportunity. We step over a barrier and step inside, where every surface is covered with plants. Here, plants can be exposed to uncontrolled temperatures, he explains, while remaining sheltered from the high winds that sometimes rip through Palermo. Here, too, there are coffee plants, much smaller, younger, but healthy, still growing, and with tiny red berries on their branches. Mm. Wow, it's actually a very sweet berry. It's strange that people don't eat it more. Rosario says as Sicily's temperatures climb and its average rainfall increases, tropical plants like coffee may well be the future. After all, he reminds me, the iconic crops of Sicily today, lemons, oranges, even wheat, were all once themselves crops from foreign lands, adapted to Sicily by the hard work of farmers. This is the challenge of Moretti in the botanical garden, he says to open, if they can, a new way for Sicilian farmers, a new future where Sicilian coffee could be an industry of its own. Back outside his roastery on the other side of Palermo, Andrea seems more than ready to take on that challenge. In fact, he seems to relish it. We know that agriculture in Sicily is suffering, so it's not a good moment because of the lack of the water, because of this kind of big changement of uh, the, the climate, because of uh, the alternation of the, the traditional uh, seasoning, is not easy. But we think that this kind of coffee harvest, this experimental coffee plantation project could be a signal. For Andrea, his experimental coffee plants are not just a new product line or even a history-making first. They're a possible future for Sicily. A future where climate change doesn't only mean destruction of traditional ways of life, but new opportunities with new crops for a new generation of farmers. Uh, Could be a different vision of uh, this land. Uh, I mean, we are young. Uh, Sicily uh, needs to be uh, viewed as a, a land with a strong potential, mm-hmm. not just with a rich past and a rich history, but we need to appreciate our present, to appreciate our future. Listening to Andrea, it's hard not to get caught up in his optimism. 
Could homegrown Italian coffee not only revolutionize Italy's coffee culture, but its agriculture industry too? But I wasn't so sure. Andrea's results were impressive, but betting on climate change is almost by definition a risky bet. I needed to speak with someone with experience building an industry out of new tropical plants. So I hopped in a car and drove across the width of Sicily to a warehouse on the slopes of Mount Etna. And there I met a different Andrea, Andrea Passanisi. For a guy who spends most of his time in contact with nature, this Andrea is one hell of a fast talker. While we chat, he paces the length of his warehouse, chain-smoking the whole time. Today, he's famous as one of the farmers who first popularized the new tropical fruits, now increasingly found on Sicily's shores. Passanisi soon learned that many tropical fruits thrived in the volcanic soil of Mount Etna, especially avocados. He's the head of the Sicilia Avocado Consortium, which works to put abandoned family citrus farms back into production, growing new tropical fruits. I wanted to know what Avocado Andrea made of Coffee Andrea's plan for a Sicilian coffee industry. Could these plants really chart a new future for Italian farmers? Cosa ne penso? Sì. Che è un'opera di marketing interessante. Sì? Secondo me... Avocado Andrea wants to be clear. Moritino is a respected brand and a visionary company. It knows coffee, there's no doubt about that. And he's careful not to dismiss the other Andrea's vision outright. It's an interesting piece of marketing, he says. And maybe someday a small production chain could exist, producing a limited local supply of high-quality coffee. But for the majority of Sicilian farmers, coffee plants won't be good enough. Coffee, Passanisi explains, has a lot of strikes against it. For now, it needs expensive greenhouses that can ensure the right temperature, the right humidity. It's slow to harvest and slow to process. In fact, it's just slow, period. <laughs> A single plant can take up to five years to start producing fruit. But what about the future, I asked. In 20, 30 years, Sicily's climate could be totally different. If farmers plant now, couldn't it be a kind of insurance? A crop that really would thrive if Sicily's tropical transformation continues? Unfortunately, on that front too, Passanisi is skeptical. Mi sto preoccupando del cambiamento climatico per via degli estremi. Passanisi says rather than transforming Sicily's growing conditions, climate change seems to just be making its extremes worse. Rainy years are rainier, cold snaps are colder, certain seasons seem to last forever. That means growing successful tropical fruits may become easier on average. But those, like coffee, that struggle outside a narrow range of conditions will probably struggle still. Jonathan Morris, our coffee historian, agreed with Passanisi. As one of the world's great coffee-loving cultures, he says Italy will probably never be able to meaningfully meet its own demand. Look, we're a long, long, long way off from the point that you could ever actually see coffee production at scale in Italy. So I think it will just be more a symbolic thing. So Sicilian coffee may never replace the likes of Lavazza at my local coffee store. Sicilian farmers may never trade lemons or oranges for slow-growing coffee plants. But there may still be some power in its symbolism alone. 
back at Moratino's Roastery, Nicolo Batista, the house barista, is finally preparing me a cup of their homegrown Sicilian coffee. Nicolo weighs the grounds and heats some water to exactly 94 degrees. After two years in Italy, it's my first time having a coffee not made by an espresso machine. These beans' flavors are too delicate, Nicolo says, too acidic. Instead, he takes out a Chemex beaker and carefully pours the water over a paper filter with the grounds. It's something you might find in a high-end coffee shop in California or New York, but I've never seen it done in Italy before. As we wait for the two minutes it takes for the coffee to pour through, we stand around reverently in silence. When Niccolo started this work offering tastings of high-quality coffees, he was one of just 12 experts doing so in Italy. Today, there's more than 1,200 with certifications like his. Interest in Moratino's project has grown, too. As we wait, we're accompanied by a student from the University of Palermo, the latest to come and study Moratino's work. Other coffee growers, from Ethiopia to Central America, have exchanged seeds and plants as well, hoping the trying climate of Sicily will result in a hardier stock. Finally, it's time to take a taste, and immediately. Oh, wow. Smells very fresh. Molto fresca, see? I see what all the fuss is about. I'm no coffee expert, but even I can tell this is something 10 times better than a one euro espresso. Delicate floral flavors linger on my tongue. Jasmine flowers, Zabibo grapes, pomelia, the tropical flavors of Sicily. The fact is, what Mortino is doing is nothing new. Since the birth of the slow food movement in the 1980s, Italy has been the world leader in taking local products, telling their story, and turning them into million-dollar local artisanal industry. In Lombardy, they do it with rare pink asparagus. In Tuscany, with pork lard set in marble. In Sicily, they already do it with Avila almonds, Etna blood oranges, even with Trapani's couscous. Why then couldn't they do it with coffee? is so strong in our coffee culture, in our heritage, so too often it's just a coffee. I think we are in a, in a right moment to uh, let people to understand more. Behind a cup of coffee, you have a big work from farmers to the roastery to barista. We really uh, are in the front to to build a new culture of coffee. First uh, experimental project um, with Moretino vision of Sicilian native crops uh, says that uh, we can, says mm-hmm. that it is possible to arrive to a Sicilian coffee and to arrive to a different kind of positive perspective. Coffee may never be a major export for Sicily like avocados. This much even Moratino can admit. But Sicilian coffee may still someday support an entire sector of its own. Imagine, if you will, a vacation to an experimental plantation in interior Sicily. 
where tropical fruits like lychee, banana, and papaya grow alongside decades-old coffee plants. You take a tour with the barista, meet the farmers who make your coffee, and take home a bag of beans for your mocha pot back home. This kind of coffee might never replace all five cups an Italian drinks in a day, but it might make one of those experiences something special. The flavor of your own Sicilian cup. Thanks to John Lass for bringing us today's story. If you like Proof, be sure to subscribe wherever you listen so you'll get new episodes as soon as they drop. And while you're there, why not leave us a rating or write us a review? It really helps other people find the show. This episode of Proof is hosted by me, Kevin Pang, and the podcast is made by the following cast of characters. I'm Yumi Araki, the managing producer. I'm executive producer Caitlin Kelleher. I'm supervising producer Caroline Rickert. I'm Alex Kern Cartarelli, and I'm an associate producer. I'm Angelica Quintanilla, also an associate producer. I'm Bridget Lancaster, creator and the founding host and producer. Audio services are provided by Ultraviolet Audio with sound design supervision by Matt Boynton. Scoring, mixing, and sound design by Anya Gzeshik. Brian Campbell of Signal Sounds Composer Theme Music, additional music by Kyle Forster and Jordan Pearson. Ken Margolis. Is our director of post-production, and our director of production is... Diane Knox. Fact-checking and additional research by... Sarah D. Collins. Special thanks to Geraldine Pedrotti at Mortino Coffee. Jack Bishop. Is the chief creative officer, and Dan Surratt is America's Test Kitchen's CEO. Thanks to our sponsor, Plugra Premium Butter. Proof is a production of America's Test Kitchen. Did you know you can help develop recipes for America's Test Kitchen? It's true. We have nearly 45,000 home testers who try out and give us feedback on new ATK recipes before they're published. Want to be part of the ATK family? Go to americastestkitchen.com slash recipe underscore testing. Once again, that's americastestkitchen.com slash recipe underscore testing to sign up.